I am, I'm very excited about this series that we're kicking off today called The Ripple Effect. Uh, it's about living by God's priorities in your life and not responding or reacting to the pressures of life. Um, if you want to follow along, you're more than welcome to do that on the screen. Also, you can, uh, on the Bridge app, scroll over to Notes, click on Goldsboro, and you can follow along there. Um, so I'm, I'm driving down Berkeley Boulevard recently, and I see this big pet store truck, one of these big box trucks. You know what I'm talking about? And we get to a stoplight, and all of a sudden, the two guys get out of the truck, and they begin running frantically around the truck, beating the sides of the truck. And I'm thinking, what? What is going on? Um, and so we get to the next stoplight, same thing. They get out, and they begin beating the sides of the truck. And I, I didn't know what was happening. But when we got to the third stoplight, I said, okay, I'm going to seriously, I'm going to ask what is happening here. So I roll down my window, and I say, what is going on here? Um, and he says, oh, it's, it's really simple. We only have a two-ton limit on our truck, and we've got four pounds or four tons of canaries in the back, and I'm trying to keep them flying. <laughs> And that story is not true whatsoever. <laughs> but it's, it's a great illustration of how we live our lives. We, we have a limit, and we have so much going on in the busyness of our lives that we're constantly trying to keep it all up in the air, reacting to the pressures of life, or else it comes crashing down. And so our lives become, um, you know, one stoplight after the next, trying to keep it all up in the air. And honestly, that, that's not the way God wants us to live. He, he wants us to live in him joyfully. He wants us to have life in him. And we spend most of our time trying to keep enough in the air not to crash. Am I talking to anybody in the room today? We live like that. And, you know, some people say, well, Pastor Ryan, we, we live in busy times. It's busier than it used to be. And I just got to say, you know what, that's really not that true because we still have the same 24 hours that we've always had. It's just about how we manage those 24 hours uh, that's, that's changed. But the fact is, is that if you don't set the right priorities in life, the pressures of life will gladly set them for you. They will. It, they, they will gladly do it. You drift into pressures. And it doesn't matter how dedicated to Jesus you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. This is true for all of us. Uh, I learned this lesson about 10 years ago. Um, when I realized in my life that anytime there was margin in time, I filled it up with something. Anytime a season sort of ended and some time kind of came available, I filled it up. I didn't know what, what margin in my time was. I didn't know what leaving that space to rest was. So it, it, if there was some time available, buddy, I filled it with something. I, I was off for two weeks uh, from work, and it was during that time that I said, you know what, it'd be a great time in my life to start school. <laughs> It wasn't. I mean, I, 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 all of a sudden, when work started back up, all of a sudden, I had full-time school. I had full-time work. I had a wife and four kids. And all of a sudden, I got to the point where I, I was literally neglecting things that I didn't think I was neglecting because of how full my time was and how full my plate was. And I, I started to actually get depressed. And I didn't know why I was depressed. I didn't, really didn't even know what depression was. I didn't understand the symptoms because I had never been depressed before. And the fact was, is that I I had let my plate get so full because I neglected the right priorities in my life, and I began responding to the pressures now. And I'm like those guys running around the truck trying to keep everything up in the air. And, and I, I, what I realized was that the things that were so important in my life, the things that should have been first, I just assumed that those things would always be healthy. 
And we can easily do it. And the fact is, is that they were losing health every single day. Um, I did an assessment of my time. And, you know, I'm kind of a nerd, so I did the whole spreadsheet thing where, you know. And I, I just took 24 hours, and I just began to take it apart. How many hours do I need to sleep? How many hours should I be spending at work? How many hours should I be spending with family? How many hours should I just be resting and having me time? And, and when I looked at that, it was so out of whack, it disgusted me. And what I didn't realize is that unintentionally, I had made a mess of my priorities. And I realized then, I need to understand priorities. I need to understand God's priorities, and I need to understand why he made them, why it's so important. Um, and the, one of the first things I learned in life is that priorities are about relationships. Did you know that? Priorities are about relationship. Paul, in the New Testament, is talking to the first Corinthians. Well, he's actually talking to the Corinthians. The book is first Corinthians, the letter that he wrote. And in chapter 13, this is what he says. He says, if I could speak in any language but didn't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise. If I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, how many of you know everything about everything? Don't point to anybody. He's saying, if I, if I knew everything about everything, that's pretty impressive, but he said, but if I didn't love others, what good would I be? And if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I would be no good to anybody. I love this next part because this is a little bit more tangible for us, right? If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. He's, he's saying it, without love, it doesn't really make a difference. Knowledge is meaningless. Sacrifice of yourself is meaningless. He even says your faith is meaningless if you don't have love with it. And so everything flows back to relationships and the love that we give and we receive in relationships. The fact is, relationships is the only thing you take with you into eternity. Everything else you're going to leave here, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people, the church, the body of Christ, that's the only thing we're taking into heaven with us. So you, you would understand then that God's priorities is always going to flow back to relationships. It's the only thing that's eternal. So whatever your priorities are, if God is in them, then they're always going to revolve around relationships, not accomplishments, not personal goals. They're always going to revolve and center around relationships. So I want to just in a picture show you what the priorities are that we're going to be talking about in this series. We're going to just kind of snapshot them here, and then we're going to kind of briefly talk about each of them. But they're this. They're Jesus at the center. He's the first priority. Out of him, everything flows, okay? Then after that, that second circle is the family. After that, the third circle is the church, the body of Christ. And after that, it is the community. But before we, before we dig into those a little bit, I want to tell you four basic truths that you need to know about the priorities that we're going to talk about. The first truth is this. Priorities must flow from the inside out. Everyone say that, inside out. It has to start at the middle, and priorities will always flow from the inside out. If you look at the center priority, everything from that goes outwards. The center circle is the heart of your priorities. It's your, it's your very first one. And as you move, uh, each circle is dependent upon the circle inside it. Are you tracking with me? I want to show you just a little clip of kind of what this, what this looks like. Um, think of it like dropping a rock or a pebble into a pool, and you watch it begin to ripple out. Okay? Each ripple is impacting the next and the next. Um, and if you, if you drop one rock, the circle starts. The, the ripples begin to, to move outward. Now, the center 
is that number one priority in your life, it's the one that makes the biggest splash. It's the one that sets the pace and the intensity for the ripples around it. And when God is the center priority, it affects the other priorities in your life. Does that make sense? And, and when it's done the right way, it creates order. It, it creates this beautiful picture of order as the ripples begin to flow out when that number one priority in the middle being Jesus, it has its place in your life. Now, but what happens often is, is we begin to react to the pressures in our life. Other priorities begin to take precedent over the middle one. And so it's like taking a pebble and it's like dropping it in another area. And all of a sudden, what looked like order now looks like chaos because when you drop a, a pebble in another place, guess what? That has a ripple effect, and those begin to ripple out. And all of a sudden, that beautiful picture of order and those ripples, they begin to get messed up by other priorities that you're putting in place, dropping pebbles around it. And all of a sudden, now it looks just like chaos. And that, that is a great illustration of what our lives look like when we don't have the right priorities in the right place and let, let them flow from the inside out. That, that's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4.23, God warns us. He says, be careful what you think about. He talks about your mind and the way you think about these priorities because your thoughts run your life, he says. Your thoughts become your beliefs. Your belief becomes actions, and your actions always have consequences. It, it always creates a ripple effect. So it starts at the center. It flows outward. And sometimes we make the mistakes. We get preoccupied with, with other priorities, with other circles uh, that are there. We neglect, you know, the inside circles. And this leads to truth number two. When an inside circle is weak, the potential for outer circles is limited. When an inside circle is weak, the potential for outer circles is limited. Each circle, each priority is like a foundation for the next one. Does that make sense? So think of it like trying to build floor number two of a building and you don't have the first floor foundation built yet. And you're trying to stand and work and operate like normal on floors two and three, but yet you don't have the foundation on, on the floor number one yet. That's going to be a problem, isn't it? And so when, when an inside circle is weak, the outside circles, they're limited at best. Um, so, so goes the ripple effect. Think about it like this. You're only going to be so successful in your marriage until you focus on your relationship with God first. Somebody say amen to that. Yeah, it's, it just can't happen. You don't become who you need to be for your spouse until you have something besides your flesh nature to be able to give to them. And that's, that person is, is God himself. That priority has to be, has to be clear. Think of it th this way. Church uh, families... Families within the church, they, they put church priorities and relationships first, but yet their family life is suffering at home because they're spending way too much time doing things with the church, but yet they've neglected that, that second priority, which is, which is the family. And their marriage struggles, their, their kids in terms of their um, ideas about what the family is supposed to be struggles, priorities begin to be maligned. And again, so goes, so goes the ripple effect. So we need to make sure that we give careful attention to the inside circles, to the main priorities in our lives, because if that's weak, then the outside priorities are going to be limited. Truth number three, when an outside circle takes priority over an inside circle, chaos follows. Now, this one's similar to truth number two. Now, there may be times when you feel justified. To, to really put a priority on those outside circles because maybe there's a season where something's happening and you need to attack it, and that's fine, but just make sure you don't sacrifice those first priorities in order to do it. Does that make sense? Because, truth number four, when order is maintained, life is good. Everybody say, life is good. Have you ever had that season of life when things just are going 
and things sound, sound, they seem so great, and you lay your head down at night, and you're like, man, things are going smooth. Relationship with the wife is good, the husband's good, the kids seem to be, I don't know why, but they seem to like wear halos now, I, I don't know what's happening with this. It's just, there, there, there seems to be some good stuff going on in our lives. There seems to be order. Well, it's because your priorities are right. That's, that's why. When, when order is maintained, life is good. If you think about a plant, think about planting uh, a plant in the ground. No amount of hard work you do, you do in the fall when the harvest is supposed to happen can make up for the lack of work you do in the spring. So in the spring, you've got to plant the thing. You've got to cultivate. You've got to water it. You've got to fertilize it. You've got to do all this stuff to it to make sure that when the fall time comes, you have a harvest. So if, if you skip out on the stuff in the spring, it don't matter how much you try to make up in the fall, guess what? The plan ain't going to be optimal. It's just not. And so it's the same with our, with our priorities. You have to start from the inside, and then what happens in that center circle affects every other thing in your life. So I, we're going to look at them again, um, and we're going to look at these in detail through the series, but I just want to get you thinking about them. Let's look at the chart again, the four circles. And so what are they? What's, what's the first one in the middle? Jesus. It's Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said this. He said, the thing you should want the most, in other words, the thing that should be the first priority in your life is the kingdom of God and doing what God wants. Then all these other things that you need will be given to you. Everything else you need, he said, will be given to you. But first, you focus on what God wants in your life. So I want you to hear me. If, if God is first in your life, everything else is going to fall into place. You need to hear that. You, you need to hear it. And then we, we all say, well, Pastor Ryan, you don't know about this. That's good. What, what about my? And then I say, you know what? God knows you need that. In fact, that scripture says he knows that what you need before you even ask. He, he knows that you need that. And who's capable of, of providing for that more, you or him? So let's just get honest. If you could have done it, you would have done it. The fact is, is that you can't. You, you can't provide for yourself like God can. He is the one who's capable. Yes, you have a part. He has a part. But you can't even do your part unless he is sustaining you. Your part, your part falls short. And we're going to talk about what it means to really put God first and really go after what he wants the most next week. But for now, you need to understand your priorities have to start with a commitment to Christ. It has to start with a commitment to Jesus. And, and, and that means choosing him. And by the way, choosing him means choosing life, choosing life. Uh, and then from there, you know, it, it involves time alone with him. It involves actually going after him. It involves time where it's just you and him and you're, you're reading the Bible or you're praying or you just have your heart faced at him and you're saying, God, I just, I want to know you more. Um, and we at the bridge, we, we take this priority so seriously. This is not just a great cool message that we're preaching, but we take this so seriously that across all the locations of the bridge, starting today, we are starting a 21-day fast together. And we're starting today, it's 21 days, and if you're wondering, it's going to be over by the time the Super Bowl parties come around, so you can take a big sigh of relief. Um, but you, you may not know what fasting is. You may have heard me just say that, and you're like, no way. Um, listen, there's lots of different ways to fast, but I just want to go ahead and tell you, fasting is a, is a biblical thing, and according to the Bible, the definition is, is going without food for a spiritual purpose. Going without food for a spiritual purpose. Now, any other way is just dieting, and everybody hates that, but going without food for a spiritual purpose means that we're giving up something that we love 
for the purpose of being hungry for God and wanting to draw nearer to him. That's what fasting is. And when we do that, it's one of the most significant ways that you can put God first and position yourself to hear his voice in your life. And it, it's so significant that we're, we're actually doing this together. And so we're, we're, what we're saying is during this next 21 days, um, fast something. Maybe you want to fast a meal, or maybe you want to fast, um, maybe you want to go more aggressive than that. But here's the thing. We don't want to get legalistic about it. This is something that we want you to prayerfully consider and say, God, I'm, I'm giving this up, but I'm not doing it just to see how far I can go. I'm, I'm doing it because I want to know you more, and I'm doing this as a sacrifice. And here's, here's the rule of thumb that I always use. If it means something to you, it'll mean something to God. If it means something to you, it'll mean something to God. Now, there's different, like I said, there's, there's different ways you can fast. There's different kinds of fast. There's, there's different things. So before you begin or even think about beginning, we have a, a short article that Pastor Jim has put together that we want you to read. It's going to give you some good direction on how to begin your fast. And that's available on the Bridge app. It's right there on the front page. It's called Fasting 101. Uh, we also have some printed copies here today in the lobby. So be sure to get that. It's very important that you read that before starting your fast. Did everyone hear that? Good. But we want to start this year and we want to start this series by putting our number one priority in place together as a church. That, that's how much we, we know this priority thing to be true. And we're going to do it together and we're going to start with a fast. So do not miss out on that. Okay. And so we're going to talk next week more about what it means to put God in, in the center of our lives and the center of our priorities. Uh, but we're, we're going to go on. If we look at that circle chart again, uh, God is first. Jesus is first. What's, what's the next thing right outside of that? Family. Everybody say family together. Family. Let's, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at when, when the first family came about. Uh, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It isn't good for man to be alone. So he's already created Adam. And he says, I will make a companion for him, a helper, suited to his needs. Look at verse 21. Then the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep and took one of his ribs. By the way, this was the first surgery that ever happened. And he made the rib into a woman and then brought her to the man. I love Adam's reaction to this beautiful woman. This is it! Is that what you said when you first met your spouse? Let me, this is it? Some of you said, I don't know if this is it or not. But this is what Adam said. She is part of my own bone and flesh. Her name is woman because she was taken out of the man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife in such a way that the two become one person. Your husband and your wife, they're not two separate, they're, you're not separate from them. You're one. You are one. And we all know that this relationship, this core of the family, is being battered by society, don't we? Statistics say that 50% of all marriages are ending in divorce. And that's true within the Christian world, and that's true within the secular world. So if you elect to get married, you need to understand that God's priority is very clear that this relationship is second only to God. And so when you try to have healthy relationships um, in remaining circles, but yet you're not putting that first, then you're going to have some difficulty. You're going to have difficulty. It's, it's extremely hard to have relationships in these outer priorities when you're having tensions at home. In, in fact, if 
the truth is, is that you're going to have tension in both if, if you try to do that. The, the marriage relationships have to be first. And because of the intensity of the relationship that makes up a marriage, it's going to predict and influence all the other relationships in your life. It will. Now, there may be something going on in, in your marriage, and maybe something's not right with your spouse. And the first question that we typically ask is, what's wrong with my spouse? <laughs> What's wrong with them? And we kind of point at them, but that's really, according to this, that's really not the question we should be asking. The question we should be asking ourselves as individuals is, is, is my inner circle right? Is my priority God, or am I trying to make my priority my spouse, or am I trying to make my priority something else? Am I trying to make it the kids? Am I trying to make it other relationships or my job? Is my priority God, or is it not. That's the first question. The second question is, it's kind of similar. Is there something on the outside, uh, the outside circle is kind of crowding my inside circle? Am I too busy? Am I too involved with, with other things? Am I too involved in the community or the church? You, you have to understand that, that you and your spouse are the second most important thing besides the relationship between you and God. And in a room this size and with a statistic like I just read, I know there are some single parents in here that don't know how to do this because maybe their spouse isn't with them. And what I want to say to that is that first priority goes right into there. God can, can take the place of your spouse. He can. He can be right there next to you. He can be right there fulfilling every need that you have. If, if, if you don't have a spouse next to you, then you need to understand that let God take that place. Do not by any means run out on emotion and try to fill that gap with another person first. First and foremost, you put God right there, and God will let you know when and how to, to proceed. Does, any, does any, everybody understand what I'm saying right there? The, the ripple effect is so clear. It starts in the center and works its way out, and you have to keep that intact. Now, within the scope of the family, there's also kids. And all the parents said, amen. amen. Y'all are real spiritual. I was just hoping for a whoop, whoop, but y'all said amen. That's good. So there's kids. Listen to me very clearly when I say this. The commitment to your kids comes after the commitment to your spouse. Now, some may argue that and say, well, Pastor Ryan, you know, the kids have to come first. Listen, if they were supposed to be the priority over the spouse, then in the beginning, when God was making people, he wouldn't have brought Adam a wife. He'd have brought him kids. <laughs> He'd have been shocked, wouldn't he? <laughs> but that's not what he did. He brought him a wife. Why? Because the, the relationship between the man and the wife was more, pri was more of a priority than it was for the kids. The, the kids don't even have what they need until they can see a healthy marriage. When, when you put your spouse first and you make that the nucleus of your home and you begin to strengthen that, then all of a sudden you become everything you need to be for your spouse, but also you become everything that you need to be for your kids. All of a sudden you, you become a, a well of knowledge for your kids to draw from. You, you, you become able now because you have God first and that, that God is pouring into and showing you how to be uh, an intimate relationship with your spouse because of the intimacy you have with God. And now all of a sudden it's showing you exactly what you need to be for your kids. You have the, the power now to endure the anxieties and pains of being a parent, whereas before you'd just be trying to do it yourself. How many of you know there's anxiety and pains that come right along with being a parent? And, and how, how are you going to handle that? How are you going to do it? Well, if you don't have your priorities in place, then your foundation is just going to fall away. 
you're not going to be able to, to withstand it. Without the limits and, and the boundaries of these priorities in our lives, then we are only, uh, the only thing we have is our cleverness. We, the only thing we have is just kind of our, our human thoughts, which, by the way, has never proved to be adequate enough. It hasn't. How many of you have just failed miserably as a parent at times? And I know people don't want to raise their hands. There's some going up. I'll be the first one to do it. Man, I've got four kids, and there have been times where I have failed miserably. And typically it's because my priorities aren't straight up here and here. But when I have those priorities straight, man, I become everything that I need to be. Um, without it, I'm, I'm just relying on myself. And I've never been good enough. I'm reminded of a story of a high-ranking uh, general in the military. And this guy was sharp. And he, he was older, and he was reflecting on his life. And he was talking about, on the base, everybody saluted this guy. I mean, it didn't matter where they were. They dropped their bags if they were at the commissary, and they just popped a salute because this is the, this is the kind of status he had. And, and you know, he, everyone followed the orders. I mean, he knew exactly what was going on on the base at all times. He had this thing running like a well-oiled machine. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what the structure was. And it was kind of funny because he said, when I went home, I never knew what was going on, you know, with his wife and three kids. And what I began to realize is that status with other circles does not make you a good parent at home. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what, what priorities you put in place on those outer circles and no matter what everybody else thinks you, thinks you are, that's not what really counts when it comes to your home life. And it will not make you a good parent at home. God at the center, a healthy relationship with your spouse is what enables you to be a good parent in your home. God and, and sociologists agree that a healthy family is the center of a healthy society. Healthy family is the center of of a healthy society. You have lots of healthy families, guess what? You have a healthy community. You have a healthy society and culture. And you, as the husband and wife team, are training up families in the making, setting the example of how to be a husband and how to be a, how to be a dad, how to be a wife and how to be a mother. Kids are watching. Fill yourself up with God first. Have that, have that fantastic, rock-solid relationship with your spouse and you, then you become everything you need to be because your kids are watching and you're training them up. So the second priority is fellowship within a marriage, and then the children get what they need out of that in that healthy home. Third thing in the circle, if we look at the chart again, what's the third priority there? It's the church. It's the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, and this is what he tells them, and he's telling us, he says, you are members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. This is true for all of us. God never intended us to be Christians, to be Jesus followers alone. Never. In fact, there are over 50 commands by God in the New Testament that you can't even obey without the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he, he, he says that we're all part of, of the body of Christ, and he begins to describe the church as a body. And have you ever cut your hand off and thrown it to the side? You probably haven't, but I'm just saying, if you ever did, it would die. It can't live without the body, can it? If you cut off your foot and threw it in the corner over there, not long without the lifeblood inside of it, it's not going to live. And just like that, he says that you are members of a body. And you cannot survive without the life of the church inside of you. You have, to be, you have to be connected. Ephesians chapter 2 describes us as being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives. Built together. 
Ephesians 3 says that it was God's intent that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God would be made known. Not through one person, not through one person that's, that's really doing a good job at being a Christian, but he said through the church. In fact, Jesus said that there, the outsiders in the community, people that, that don't necessarily believe, they're going to know that, that we are gods based on how we treat one another. Not because, you know, you by yourself know so much about the Bible or not because you so much by yourself just seem like a really good person. He said they're going to know that you belong to Christ because of the way that the church treats each other. We need each other, don't we? Ultimately, if you don't believe any of that, Jesus died for the church. He, he died so that the church could exist. That, that was his word. So after God, after family, the church comes next. The last circle in our priorities is community. It's the community. Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he says this, Remind the believers to do these things, to be under the authority of rulers and government leaders, to obey them and be ready to do good, to speak no evil about anyone, to live in peace with all, and to be gentle and polite to all people. Here's what he's saying. People who have their priorities set are model citizens. People who have their priorities right are, are model citizens, and, and not just in a, in a temporary way, uh, not just in an earthly way, but he begins to understand, and he tells us that, hey, pretty soon, we're not going to live here anymore. We're going to live somewhere else in eternity, in heaven, hopefully, and so he's saying, I'm going to remind you of this as you live in the communities that you're in, First Peter chapter 3, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, everyone in our communities who speaks to us, who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. And he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Can I, I just got to say, the love that you have of Christ inside of you, it, it, should, it should be like coming out on your words when you're talking to somebody. You're going to encounter people in this life that do not want to have anything to do with church, that really don't care a whole lot about you being a Christian. And sometimes they're just going to be rude. Sometimes they're not. But sometimes you're going to encounter that. And I just got to say, sometimes it's the Christian people that are the rudest. It, that we are. Because you know what? We, we, don't, we don't follow this command with this idea that, hey, there's people around us that need Christ. So instead of giving them Christ, what Christ was, I'm going to give them my own personality. And I'm a jerk. Not me. But I'm just saying, sometimes we act like that. Um, on Facebook, if, if you have something to say about the political folks that are governing us, please do it with love and respect. The, the word right here says do it with gentleness and respect. If you want to talk about God in a public forum or you want to tell somebody about Christ, maybe who don't believe, do so with gentleness and respect. And if you've got something to post on Facebook, you better make sure that it represents well the God who saved you. If not, then just don't put it. Keep it to yourself. There was a, a, a video I saw. Maybe you saw the same thing on social media a while back. It was a Jehovah's Witness. And, you know, they don't believe the same things we do uh, about the Bible and about Jesus. And there was this Christian who, I mean, up here knew the word inside and out, knew the Bible, and was just taking this guy to town. This Jehovah's Witness sat there silently for about five minutes while this other guy just basically took the Bible and beat him over the side of the head with it. He won an argument for sure. And I saw all these comments, yeah, you got him, yeah, hit him with Jesus, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, that Jehovah's Witness, if anything came out of that, he just thinks Christians are jerks. 
Did he, I mean, did he win the argument? Yeah. But did he represent Jesus well? No. This verse here says, in our community, we have to, we have to for, be ready for anyone who asks us to give a reason for the hope that we have, but do so with gentleness and respect. In Acts chapter 2, when, when the church was first starting, the Bible says that daily people were being added to their number, those who were being saved. Why? Was it because they knew so much? No. It was because they were doing something that drew people in in love and in kindness. That's what it was. And, and the Bible even says that it was Christ's love and kindness that drew us to repentance. It wasn't the shame over our sin. It was God's love and his grace and the fact that we could become new because God loved us so much. That's what drew us in. That's going to be the same thing that draws people in for our community. We want people to get saved. We want people to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We're, we're not here because we want the bridge to be such a big church. We, we, we want to just grow the bridge church. That's not what it's about. That's not what we do. We're interested in growing, but we're interested in growing the kingdom of God. We're interested in emptying out hell and populating heaven. And we want as many people to hear about this as possible. We, we should be involved in the community. We should be involved with social concerns. But it can't be our first priority, can it? Let's, let's kind of get back to our chart here. It, it's got to be on the priority list, but it can't be the very first priority. Otherwise, we, if, if we neglect the first two, two or three, we don't do anything well. We do everything mediocre at that point. So in our community, if we want to have a hope at making a difference, then we actually have to take those first three priorities and make them rock solid, right? So there, there's many issues that concern us, but you can't afford to devote your, your total concern with the community itself. To do so means you're neglecting the other foundational circles. So let's, let's talk about the, the truths again. Let's talk about the circles again. Is Jesus, come on, do it with me, family, church, and then the community. Let's talk about the truths one more time. Truth number one, your priorities must flow from the inside out. Can't go from the outside in and you can't skip around. It has to flow from the inside out. Truth number two, when an inside circle is weak, the potential for outer circles is limited. Truth three, when an outside circle takes priority over an inside circle, chaos follows. Remember, it's like dropping multiple rocks in the pond and expecting it to look good. But truth number four, when order is maintained, Life is good. Life is good. So I, I want to challenge you today. If you look at this, this chart right here, and I don't want you to get discouraged. That's, that's the challenge. Because a lot of times we can look at this and go, man, I am bombing that. And we just we kind of get discouraged. Well, where you are today is not as important as where you're going to go. That's, that's the truth. Only where you're going. That's, that's what I want you to think about. So we can commit today to get things in order, to start at the center, and to work our way out. Listen, God said, if, if you put me first, all these other things are going to work out. And I don't know what issues and what problems you're facing today. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what pressures you have in life. But I do know this, that God is more than capable of helping you through those pressures. If we would just put him first at the center. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes that means dropping some of the things that we're already doing. Sometimes it means not being the guys in those box trucks trying to beat the side of it and keep the, keep the canary. But, but just all the things that you have up in the air, all the pressures of life, sometimes it means just letting those fall in order to put God first. And that's going to hurt because there are things in this life we put a lot of time in, we put a lot of emotional strength in, but God hasn't been the center. 
And so those things at best, they're going to maybe make our emotions feel good. Maybe they're going to get us by a little bit, but they're really not going to fulfill us in life. And what God is saying is that I want to bring order to your life in such a way that brings you life to the full. Maybe you've only been experiencing part of that, but God says, I want to bring everything that I came to give you and I want you to experience it in full. And that takes putting me first. And that very well could mean dropping other things. Other priorities that you've put in place over God, it, it might just mean dropping it and starting over and saying, God, now you help me. You be the center, like that rock in that pond, just in, in, in the very center, not bunches of them all over the place, but just I just want to drop one. I just want to keep dropping that one. I want to make it the biggest splash I can with God at the center of my life. And as the ripples go out, there's order there. And I just want to be bold and say this. If that means letting things fall and crash, then let them crash. Let them fall. Because you don't, want to, you don't want to uphold those things by yourself. You were never meant to. But if putting God at the center of your life means letting other things fall, oh, it's, it's so worth it. What's on the other side of that would be so much greater than you could ever even imagine. There's a story in World War II that there was a strategy in the Pacific Theater whenever they would go take over islands, the Americans. And there were all these different islands, and they had this one strategy they used to take over the islands. They would, they would bomb it with the artillery shells, and they would soften up the resistance. Some of you, I believe right now, God has kind of been doing that in your life, softening your heart, making it pliable. But they would, they would bomb the island, they would, they would soften it up, and then the Marines would come in, and they would establish a beachhead right there uh, on, on the beach. And it was probably only 20 yards deep, but it was about 200 yards wide. It, it wasn't impressive in terms of depth, taking the island over, but it was there. There was a beachhead that was established. And ha had they completely taken over the island? No, but, but their presence was there. And slowly but surely, they would kind of, kind of advance. And sometimes they would advance, sometimes they would have to draw back. But in every single case, they, they always took over the island. And some of you, I feel like we need to just take that first step. We don't need to try to take over the whole entire list, but we just need to take that first step and let God establish kind of that beachhead of our heart. I mean, they, they weren't worried about taking over the whole island. They wanted to establish the presence there. They wanted to start with priority number one. And I think that's where some of us need to be. We, we just need to let God establish that place at the center of our priorities this morning. Let God establish that priority in our lives. And I just wonder if there's anybody here today that wants to make him your first priority. Maybe you've, you want to recommit your life to him. And you say, you know what, I've had lots of priorities in my life, and they've, they've kind of shifted in a, to a place where God's not the center of my life right now. I thought he was, but in fact, if I really take an honest evaluation of my life, there's other things that have taken priority. Maybe you just want to say today, God, I'm, I'm dropping those things to put my focus on you, knowing that those other things may be important, but I'm going to be fully capable of fulfilling those things in my life when I have you at the center. Maybe you want to make that decision today. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never made that decision. You've, for the very first time today, you feel God, something inside of you. And I'm just going to tell you, it's God. If you feel that, that pull at your heart, that's, that's God saying, I, I want to be yours and you be mine. I, I want you to make that decision to follow me today. I encourage you, make that decision today. We're going to say a prayer in a minute, and I just want you to agree with me in that prayer. There's going to be some prayer people that are right up here at the, at the front. If you need some help praying or you have a need that you want to come 
be prayed for. We want to make that available to you. But before, as I'm praying, you, 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 can, you can come forward if our prayer team will be ready to do that. Can we just pray together? God, thank you for this opportunity to be here and to hear your word. God, if, if we're being truthful today and we open our hearts to you, of course, you know every, every heart. If we're being truthful, we've, we've messed up priorities at times. And there may be some of us in this room right now that are just, we're kind of sitting in priorities that are completely out of whack. Maybe some of us are, are on our way to chaos and some of us are sitting in chaos right now. We can feel it. It's pressure. We feel like those guys in the truck that's just trying to keep everything up in the air, knowing that at some point we're going to crash. And Lord, I, I just pray right now and that you would just convict us, not in a shameful way. You don't do that. Not condemning, convicting. Drawing us nearer to you. Showing us where we, we need to shore things up. And Lord, that, that choice that we want to make today is putting you at the center of our lives. We make that decision today, God, because we want you to be the center. We want, we want our lives to be fulfilling. We want our lives to be full. God, we want to experience the love that you have for us. We want to experience the, the joys that come with life. God, a life that's serving you. God, but more so than that, we want to experience you, the God that, that saved us. If you're here today for the first time and you are for the first time making that decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. You agree with me in prayer. God, here's your heart. Lord, I, I thank you for having me. I can't do this myself, but I want to put you at the center of my life. I believe that you came to this earth. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave for me. God, more so than that, I believe that you did it because you loved me and that you still do love me and that you still do have a plan for my life. No matter how much I've messed up, no matter how much I've gone backwards, no matter how much I've completely rearranged my priorities and left you out, I believe that you still have a plan for my life and that you still love me. And the, the plan still exists today, even though I've, I've messed it up royally. And I've thought to myself, there's no way you can still want me. There's no way you can still use me. Lord, I know that your plan is still in existence for me. And I choose you. I say yes to you. I, I say yes to you being the priority of my life. So take me, God. Use me any way you want. I trust you. I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect while I'm here on this earth. But Lord, I want to aim my heart at you. Let you be the center. And I trust you to make up the difference in my life and affect every other area for your good and for my good. And it's in your name that I pray all this. Can we say amen together? Amen. amen.